It's intern John. Celebrate the coziest season with Safeway. They're bringing all the fall flavors to you. From pumpkin everything to caramel apples and all of your seasonal favorites. Make the most of those fireside dinners, game-winning touchdowns, and warm family gatherings. Visit your neighborhood Safeway today or shop online for easy pickup or delivery. They're here to help you spice, season, and savor every moment. Sincerely, Safeway. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church. One church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Then do your word, which I'm about to receive, which makes all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. So God, speak to us right now. We need a word from you. We need you to bring clarity. We need you to give courage. We rebuke any distractions that might be in our atmosphere right now. And I pray for focus. Open your mouth, please, and repeat after me. Say, focus, focus. We magnify you. And your word says that if we magnify you, it's not that you become bigger, but you become bigger to us. You're bigger than every problem. Every obstacle, every issue, you're bigger than fear, you're bigger than anxiety, you are bigger than panic. Why? You are our God. You are King of kings, Lord of lords, and the great I am. And today we give you glory in Jesus' name. Everybody, please say this. Say, Lord, I'm ready to receive. Have your way in me in Jesus' name. So listen, we are starting a brand new series today called Parable. Stop. I teach in series because it's the best way to see results. At the end of the day, preaching is wonderful if preaching is designed to get you results. The goal of preaching is not just to inspire you, it is to also inform you so then you can transform your life. So the reason I preach and teach in series at Harvest, and we've done it for years, is because I want you to be able to look at a month and say, everything I learned in that month took me further. Everything I learned the next month took me further. Everything I learned the next month took me further. Everything I learned the next month, it took me further. And everything I learned the next month, it took me further. I need you to know God is a God of results in your life. He doesn't just want you to talk about it. He wants you to be about it. Somebody say, I'm seeing results. So this series, Parables, is called that because that's how Jesus taught. So if Jesus taught that way, if this is Christianity, we want to be like Jesus, then we should teach that way. Here it is, Mark 4 and 33. It says, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Here's what I love about God. God knows the way that you need to hear it for you to do it. 
And that's powerful. Because sometimes, watch me, it's not a voice, it's a verse. Sometimes it's not a verse, watch this, it's tragedy. Sometimes it's not tragedy, it's loss. God says, whatever method I need to get to you, I will get to you. Can we have an honest moment? Sometimes you can hear a message and not do anything with what you hear. So sometimes you have to go through hell that hurts you, so then it finally helps you because you heard it. I need you to thank God that God knows exactly how to get to you. But let me prophesy to your year and your decade. You're not going to have to go through any hurt or hell before you hear. I need you to open up your mouth and say no hurt, no hell to hear. Come on. Because a lot of us, watch me, You uh, maybe you were called as a child hard-headed. Well, that was your life back then. But now, no. God, when you say it, I'm going to bust the move just like that. If I read it in the Word, I'm going to do it just like that. I'm not going to debate with you. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to fight with you. Why? Because this is going to be the best year of your life. And this is going to be the best decade of your life. And if you believe that, open up your mouth and say, yes, Lord, right there. He said, as they were able to hear. So parables was the methodology in which Jesus needed to speak to them because that's how they got the message. So let me just start this message by saying, don't be a hard-headed Christian because if you're a hard-headed Christian, you're going to have to go through hurt and hell to hear. But then let's go further. It says, verse 34, he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, what did he do? He explained everything. He was direct with them because they were mature to handle it. You have to be careful that you don't think that everybody can handle the same level of conversation. There are some people that you're going to have to learn how I can't say that to them because they don't know how to handle that. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me. Listen, there's some people you're going to have to say, you know what? I need to keep that to myself because you don't know how to handle that when I tell you that. There are some people that don't know how to carry water. They drop it. But I prophesy to your life this year and this decade, God's going to put some people around you that can carry some water so that you don't always have to worry about what you say when you say it. But the truth is, let's be true, Jesus said, I can tell these guys, I can be direct with them. I don't have time to be pussyfooting with them and going all around in circles and corners and all that. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to give them cornflakes. I got to give them the real deal. Case in point, he says to Peter, Peter, who was one of his guys, who later on would go in the book of Acts to preach the gospel on one day, and you see thousands of people saved. Do you want to know what Jesus told Peter? He said, get behind me, Satan. What? He was direct. He was direct because he said, Peter, you ought to be mature enough to handle it. Some of you get too caught up in how it was given to you that you miss what was given to you. Y'all better hear me. You get, well, you didn't have to say it like that, but you wouldn't have heard me any other way. Somebody, watch me. In fact, me being direct with you is a compliment. What I'm saying to you when I'm direct with you is that you look mature enough for me to be able to speak to you without having to put no cookies and cornflakes on it. I need you to stop worrying about how they said it to you and pay attention to what was said to you. Because the people that love you will be direct with you and not care about your feelings. The people that love you will say what needs to be said. Let's go. Parables are stories that illustrate principles. And today's is called the parable of the mustard seed. Somebody say mustard seed. Now here's the thing. How many of you like mustard on your hamburgers? All right. How many of you do not like mustard on your hamburgers? You can say no mustard. Okay. Well, for the, for the few of the dream team that are here, um, this is a mustard loving church in here today. All right. Now, I don't know what's going on online. I'll see you after church, but it's a mustard loving church. Check this out. The parable of mustard seed is mentioned seven times in Scripture. Not specifically the parable, but the phrase mustard seed is mentioned how many times? Seven. Seven has a biblical meaning. It has a, it has a biblical meaning. It's called gematria. That is the study of the significance of numbers spiritually. 
Every number has a corresponding spiritual meaning. Mm, that's good. Which means when I see numbers, they're speaking. Mm. A number just isn't a number. A number is a word. You miss me. I'm a back. That thing. A number isn't just a number. A number is a word. So every time, watch me, I see seven. Seven is the biblical number of completion. How do you know? Because it took God seven days to finish what he started. Let's go. Seven is a biblical number of completion. So if the phrase mustard seed appears seven times in the scripture, watch me. That means if you get this principle, something in your life is going to be complete. There are things that are incomplete right now, and this parable is teaching us that if you get this, there's going to be some stuff that's completed. I want you to make this declaration over your life. Say, God's about to complete some things for me. No, you're about to finish some stuff that you started. You're about to finally get that business started. You're about to finally get that degree. You're about to finally forgive who hurt you. You're about to finally be faithful in your serving. You're about to finally be faithful in your giving. Somebody say, he's completing some things in me. And matter of fact, that word completion there, it is the Hebrew word shalom, which means nothing is missing, nothing is broken, nothing is lacking, and all is well. Come on, open up your mouth and say, all is well. Here we go. So here's the first time that this phrase is mentioned. It's in Matthew 13, 31. Let's go. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. Stop. Let's break the verse down. The kingdom of heaven. So. God never promised us heaven as a place to live. He promises us the kingdom of heaven, which is a lifestyle. What's the difference? If you're so preoccupied with getting to heaven as a place to live, you will not live well while you're here. The Bible doesn't preach that. The Bible preaches the kingdom. Jesus, when he steps on the scene, he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand or it's in reach. What does that mean? He says, listen, you're not supposed to try to die to get to heaven. You're supposed to live well to bring heaven down here. And it doesn't mean that you don't have any problems. It doesn't mean that you don't have any obstacles. It just means, watch this, that my way of doing things, my kingdom is shown through your life. That's good. God says, I want you to be a walking, talking commercial. So when people look at you, they're going to say how you did it. And you'll just be able to say, not only did God do it, but baby, I'm from the kingdom. Come on. I'm a kingdom person, which means, watch me, I experience heaven's attributes on earth. I'm not trying to die to get to heaven. I'm living well so I can bring heaven down to earth. And it doesn't mean perfection. It doesn't mean you're not going to have obstacles. It doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges. It just means that everything is shalom. Let's go. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. All is well. He says, the kingdom of heaven, my way of doing things. He says, here is heaven on earth. You ready? Heaven on earth is this. It's a grain of mustard seed. Guys, here's the mustard seed right here. Do you see how small that is? That's a grain of mustard seed. He said, this is the kingdom. See, many times you miss big because you ignore small. Big doors swing on small hinges. Most of us spend all of our life trying to build the door and you ignore the hinge. And the problem with that is God says, my kingdom is based on small stuff. Let's go. My kingdom is based on the details. Somebody say the details matter. God is so detailed that when he created you, the Bible says that each of your hairs is numbered, which means heaven knows when hair 1,422,876 fell out. Matter of fact, the Bible says our days are numbered, which means God says, based on what I sent them to the earth to do, this is how long it should take, which means when you're counting up every birthday, heaven's actually counting down because heaven says, I was so detailed, I calculated how much time you need to do what I said. I need you to say, God is detailed. God is detailed. He says, watch me, this is the kingdom of heaven. It's a grain of mustard seed that a man took 
What did he do? He sowed it. Somebody say he released it. So watch me. Here's the first thing. God says, my kingdom makes sure that the small details are, 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 are paid attention to. But then my kingdom, watch me, my kingdom requires release. See, some of you are waiting on God to put something big in your hands, and he already has. It's the seed. But God says, listen, the reason that it only looks that small to you is because you haven't done anything with the seed. This isn't just money. See, some of you got talent that you won't release. So you could be singing, but you won't. You could be playing, but you won't. You could be serving, but you won't. And God says, since you won't release it, then guess what? That's all you're ever going to have. I need you to say this. Say, my increase is in my release. He says he took it and he sowed it in his field. So here's the kingdom. God's MO, his modus operandi, how he does things, is that he gives you the seed because everything that the seed will need to become is in the seed. The harvest is in the seed. I'm going to say it again. The harvest is in the seed. I'm going to say it again. The harvest is in the seed. I'm going to say it a third or fourth time so that everybody in your house gets this. The harvest is in the what? Seed. Watch me. What you do with it determines what it will be. What you do with it determines what it will be. Say, what my seed will be is up to me. Look at verse 32. It is the smallest of all seeds, which means God says, stop tripping about how you started. Some of you are so convinced that you got to have a perfect start that you never start. You're convinced everything got to be right before you start. You're convinced, well, I need this and this and this and this. You better learn how to take you some peanut butter. Come on here. And some jelly. And watch me. You might not even have two pieces of bread. You might not have nothing but that butt on the end of the bread. You better slather one half of peanut butter, slather the other half of jelly, put that thing together, and you got you a sandwich. Sandwich. That's from Marvin, the TV show. Sandwich. Bruh, man. From the fifth floor, but remember, he never did fifth. He, like, did fourth or something. He never got it right. All right, watch me, guys. Look, it's the smallest of all seeds. So your start's not going to match your finish. But if you never start because of how small your start is, you never will finish. Did you hear what I just said? See, listen, everything that became anything had to start somewhere. Everything that became anything had to start somewhere. Watch what he says. He says, it is larger. When it grows, it is larger than all the garden plants, and it becomes a what? A tree. Look at me. Everybody, let's go back to the seed. This right here becomes a seed. Or excuse me, a tree. What? This becomes a what? Tree. This becomes a what? See, can I help some of y'all? If you are sloppy here, then it's sending a message to God, don't give me the tree. Ooh, come on, let's, let's speak this worship experience. Come on across America. Say, Lord, I can handle my small so I can qualify for my big. It is the smallest of all seeds, verse 32 of Matthew 13. But when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants. So it's the smallest, but when it grows, it's the biggest. See, some of you, watch me, you're about to see God take you from being, watch me, overlooked to overbooked. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. 
you're about to see your insignificant turn into you are now the talk of the town. Y'all ain't saying nothing. God says it doesn't matter how you started. You can start as the smallest seed, but I will cause you to be the greatest. Do you see this? It's larger than all the other plants. Smallest becomes the largest. <laughs> Last becomes the first. <laughs> Talked about becomes the one that's triumphant. Betrayed becomes the one that's blessed. <laughs> In a valley becomes the one that owns the mountain. Let's go. So that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So now, not only, look at me, now not only is it done something for itself, but now it's got, watch me, it is allowing the birds to come and make nests in its branches. Here's what that means. You're now blessed to be a blessing. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Because you're going to be, watch me, for some of you, you're going to be where somebody else is able to get their beginning. Mm. And you will be able to help them through their situation and be an example to them. I need you to open up your mouth and say, Lord, I'm blessed to be a blessing. So listen, here's the next reference to this mustard seed. So that's the parable. The parable is God always gives you the seed, never the harvest. What you do with the seed is up to you. Got that? He's not going to give you the end. He gives you the beginning. And he says, now do what I said with what I gave you, and it'll become great. Even if you look in Genesis, you'll see, and the Lord gave seed. You got me? Got it? The Bible says in Genesis, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest will remain. So when you understand the concept of a seed, everything, that tree is coming out of this. It's so small, I can't even get it in my hand. It keeps falling. <laughs> look, 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 look. And see, that's what some of you, that's your issue, is it's so small, you keep dropping it. Can you be faithful with what looks insignificant? Mm. Can you be faithful with what looks like nobody's paying attention? Can you be faithful to come in and serve week to week? Come on here. Can you be faithful with something small? Because if you can't be faithful with a small assignment, it's never going to turn into something big. So here's the next reference, Matthew 17, 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus. Let me give you context. Before this, this man comes to those around Jesus, and they could not cast out this unclean or evil spirit. And, uh, and so what's amazing is that they say to the Lord, why couldn't we cast it out? Here's a leadership lesson for every leader listening to me. Don't be surprised if the people are around you, but they are nothing like you. That does not mean that you failed because even Jesus' followers did the same thing. I need you to catch that. See, everybody, watch me, because that's where some of your frustration comes from, leaders, is you think everybody's going to be like you. Oh, God. Jesus' disciples were around him, but they weren't able to do it like him. Watch me, because they were so focused on being seen, they ignored the seed. Y'all missed that right there. See, sometimes you got people around you that like being around you, but it's not that they're receiving anything from you. So Jesus gets frustrated, and he says, you faithless generation, and all of that. And so he says, bring the boy to me. And so Jesus casts out with the unclean spirit himself. And so then his disciples asked this question in verse 19. They came to him privately. Now, that's interesting. Why didn't you ask him openly? When you failed openly, why are you asking for correction privately? This reveals their heart. I want to teach now. See, which, the way you come at me tells me your heart. See, if you messed up in front of everybody, you need to clean it up in front of everybody. Don't come to me privately now when you just got embarrassed publicly. See, the way people come to you reveals their hearts and their motives. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately. Why? Because they didn't want to be embarrassed. They came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not 
cast it out. So he said to them, because of your little faith. But truly, I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a what? Mustard seed. What's a mustard seed? Smallest seed. You will say to what? This mountain. Now let's talk about the mountain. Jesus literally, he's pointing to a mountain. But mountain is a metaphor in the scripture. It means a difficult thing. It means the, you ready? The most difficult thing. So he says, and you shall say to this difficult thing, move, get out of the way. And it would obey you. And nothing would be impossible for you. Let's back that up, though. He says, listen, but it ain't going to obey you if it knows you don't believe what you're telling it. That's why in the scripture, I feel like preaching at this next experience. That's why in the scripture, there was a, 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 someone that was possessed with demons and unclean spirits, evil spirits. And the scripture says that when they tried to cast him out, that the spirit said, Jesus, we know. Paul, we know. Who are you? In other words, you don't believe it. You're just saying it. And I need you to open up your mouth because God's about to take your faith this year and this decade to a whole nother level. Open your mouth and say, Lord, increase my faith. So let's look. So, 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 so look, he says, if you have faith, this grain, the size of a grain of a mustard seed or like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. In other words, get out of my way. Can I go deep for a minute? The issue isn't the hard problem. The issue is that you see the hard problem as a sign, the hard stop. Mm -mm, you missed me. The issue isn't the problem. The issue is that you let the problem stop you. Notice he didn't say be destroyed. He said just move. Come on here. In other words, you got to learn, watch me. The issue isn't the problem. The issue is that I see the problem, meaning stop. Don't go forward. And I came to speak life into somebody today. Whatever hard issue or hard problem you're dealing with doesn't mean stop. It means you need to get your faith together and tell it to move. Come on. Get out the way. Say it with me. Move. Get out the way. The issue isn't that your family's trifling. You've known that for years. The issue is that you let their trifling behavior stop you. Mm. The issue isn't that you've got inconsistent friends. You've known that since you started befriending them. The issue is that you let their inconsistency make you inconsistency. The issue isn't that that relationship has been over for months and you're still trying to relight a flame that's been dead. The issue is that you let that stop you. I need you to say, my faith is increasing. Come on, y'all, look. He says, and nothing will be impossible for you. You want to know why it's why nothing becomes impossible for us? Put the verse up, please. You want to know why nothing becomes impossible for us? It's because anytime I see something in my way, I move it. And I don't move it with my hands, I move it with my mouth. My mouth becomes my hands. <laughs> and so then, watch me, watch me. I hear faith, then I, then I speak faith, then it gives me the action. See, so sometimes, watch me, maybe it's, this is here, so you need to move out of my way. Maybe the move is I need to step over here. Because some of you, watch me, you keep doing the same thing, expecting different results, but you haven't changed anything. And that's the clinical definition of insanity. I need you to lay your hands on your head and say, I have the mind of Christ, not insanity. Come on. Problem no with this verse, y'all. He said, have faith as a grain of mustard seed. Wait a minute. He says, as a what? Grain. Y'all ready for this? He didn't say grains. He said grain, which means, watch me, this is all I got, Lord. <laughs> See, for some of you, you're like, God, all I have is this. Come on, can I get in your business? Yes, sir. You're like, God, 
I don't know if I have enough strength to fight. God says, that little bit you got, that's all I need. <laughs> Y'all ain't going to sit down. I, I need you to hear me. Don't think that because what you have is little that that's not what he wants. Because what you have is exactly what he wants. Somebody say, it's small like a mustard seed, but it's about to produce increase for me. Look at this. He says, faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now, we remember, it's the smallest of what? All seeds. But he calls their faith little. Problem. You just said, my faith is little. But then you already told me that mustard seeds are the smallest seeds. Well, isn't little and small the same thing? Nope. Little right here. You ready for this? He, he wasn't criticizing the size of their faith. Mm. He was criticizing this. Here's what that word little means in the Greek language of our New Testament. You don't believe me because you don't listen to me. And proof you don't listen to me is you didn't do what I said. I'm going to back it up so you get it. You don't believe me because you don't listen to me. And proof you don't listen to me is you didn't do what I said. I'm going to back it up one more time. Have you ever, before I back it up, though, let me make sure we get it. You ever told somebody something? And they, listen, you ask for a picture of water, and they come back with a towel? Oh, listen. <laughs> Welcome to pastoring 101. Listen, you ever said, this is what I want, and you, you made it clear. You have a diagram. You have a photo. You have steps. Say, this is what I want. And then somebody bring you something different? Let me tell you why. They weren't listening. When you were talking, they were preparing their response. Sometimes the issue, watch me, is we don't listen to God's word. We're preparing our response to him. Y'all ain't going to talk to me today. Say, Lord, open my ears to listen to your word. Come on. I need some of y'all to put that on the screen. I need 50 of you to put that on the screen. Lord, open my ears to listen to your word. Guess what? How we hear and what we hear determine what we believe and what we do. How we hear and what we hear. Say how and what. This is important. Luke 8, 18. Jesus talking again. Take care to how you hear. Take care means pay attention. Listen, Linda. Y'all remember that YouTube? It's a little boy. And he's talking to his mama. And he said, and he put a little foot up. He said, listen, Linda. Honey, listen. And check this. He kept repeating himself because she wasn't listening. Because she wasn't trying to hear him. She was trying to respond. Because in her mind, you're too small to talk to me. Now, let me be clear. Parent to child, don't get it twisted. So for every child that said, that's right, mama, you heard Bishop. Mm -mm, I didn't say that. I'm making a point about seed. <laughs> Come on. Watch me. Watch me. It was a little instruction. Come on. A little instruction that was given that she would not hear because of, watch me, because of how small it seemed. Sometimes, watch me, the issue is you don't have what you want because you ignored the small instruction. And you want credit for the big instruction. It doesn't matter that you built a door if you didn't take care to get the hinges right. The door will never open. But I prophesy every door that God has ordained for your life this year and this decade. I need you to holler this, please, like you mean it. And even if you're in an apartment, don't worry about it. Even if you're in your house, don't worry about who's still asleep. Who's still asleep. Open your mouth and say, every door open now. Come on, say it again. Say, every door open now. Luke 8, 18, take care, pay attention to how you hear. So question, when we hear God's word, do we hear it being incredulous or are we inspired? What's incredulous? You're, you don't believe. 
you're a cynic, naturally. Somebody tells you something good, hmm, I don't know. Somebody tells you something bad, I knew it! I knew it. Knew you couldn't trust them. Or are you inspired? When you listen to the word, are you incredulous or are you inspired? Do you hear it and do you say, well, that's really nice what he did for other people. I just have my own view of God. Good. Good luck with that. Especially, we live in a culture now where people have made God in their own image. It's worse than the Ten Commandments where they made, at least they knew to make it another animal. Now people making God like themselves. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. So you think God is emotional like you. Mm. You think God is inconsistent and up and down. And so you project your image into him. It's quiet right there. Well, I just feel like God, mm -mm, forget your feelings. What does the word say? Because I can't stand on your feelings. Your feelings ain't going to work. I got to stand on the word. Come on. All right. Next question. Do you hear it? Watch me. So the first is incredulous. Are you inspired? When I hear the word, it inspires me to do something. Watch me. Even if it's checking me. What does it check me? Even if it's correcting me. Like I don't sit there, hmm, who he trying to talk to? Thank God God loves me enough to correct me. So here's the next thing. When you hear the word, are you corrected or do you want to stay comfortable? Because when this word comes, it should correct something in us. It's like going to the doctor. When you go to the doctor, they're supposed to correct stuff. Some doctors now, all they're going to tell you is just drink a lot of water. I won't say what doctors those might be or where they from or what permanent place that they may be at. But at the end of the day, we all want, and I'm just, I'm just being funny. I'm just being funny. Guys, you got to have fun in church. Got to have fun. Everybody laugh. Everybody laugh. Everybody ha, 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 ha. <laughs> You got to have fun in church. Listen, don't be saying life is too short, but life is too precious to be mad all the time. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Some of y'all be mad all the time. Just, good morning. <laughs> Just mad. Just got an attitude all the time. Good morning. Good morning to you. <laughs> all right. So I say have fun in church. <laughs> you got to have fun. Listen, do you hear it corrected or comfortable? Corrected or comfortable. Corrected or comfortable. Corrected or comfortable. When you go to a chiropractor, they're not supposed to just say, well, everything's good. Just rub you on the back. <laughs> everything's fine. They're supposed to hit some stuff. Move some stuff. Snap, crackle, and pop some stuff. If ain't nothing moving, then we got a problem, sir. I'm going to need that back. Let me get that up off of you. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> I remember going to a chiropractor. He uses a tool. And he uses this tool, and he, he would hit up here. And he did some things, but it was a tool. And I was like, well, everybody else told me. And I, I just went to the chiropractor because I, I had never been. I just said, well, let's check it out. Let's see. I just, it might be something good to do. I just said, you know, maybe, maybe I don't know. So he used this tool. And when he used the tool, he, I was like, that's it? I said, everybody else told me that they're getting twisted and stuff. And you're flipping them over and doing all this here. I said, you, this is it? This was five minutes. He said, oh, you'll feel it tomorrow. <laughs> Y'all would hear me. See, watch me. The small adjustment ended up producing a big correction, a big change. See, it might be one small thing you hear in today's message, but when you put it into action, it's going to bring big change in your life. So how do you hear? Incredulous or inspired? Corrected or comfortable? Here it is. Do you see it as a directive or do you want to have a debate? Because God doesn't negotiate. 
And can I be honest? In modern culture, we view God as democratic. We, we think that we get to have an input on what he said. It's quiet right now. Because listen, because much this, maybe your whole life you never felt like you got to have a say about what you did. So now you try to bring that experience over to God. Like, no, nah, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. And then so God's like, listen, I want you to forgive. Well, Lord, let's talk about it. God says, well, I'll tell you what, here's how we're going to do this, because I don't negotiate. I won't forgive you until you forgive them. Your unforgiveness don't do nothing but hurt you. That's drinking poison, expecting them to die. Y'all got real quiet right there. Well, be a faithful giver. Lord, I'm just really debating whether or not I believe in the concept of giving. God says, that's cool. Don't ask me for nothing. Got it? And whatever you do have, watch me, it's probably not for you. It's so that your kids don't have to suffer because of you. Ooh, it's quiet in this church. Come on, come on. Everybody say with me. Say, Lord, help me hear right. So how should we hear? We should be inspired. I should get excited when I hear God's word. Number two, I should feel corrected. Like I should say, you know what? That, that's right. That's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's true. And then watch me. I should see it as a directive. What is a directive? Go do this. Not, well, I'd like to um, have a meeting to follow up. And just share some of my thoughts. Your thoughts are irrelevant. You were given a directive, not a suggestion. God don't make suggestions. God gives directives. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I got to move. I got to move. God doesn't make suggestions. Like when he said, when he said, serve, he wasn't suggesting it. When he said give, he wasn't suggesting it, right? When he said forgive, it wasn't a suggestion. Like if you get around to it on Friday after you finish clipping your toenails and watching Netflix. <laughs> Y'all better clip them now. Listen, don't, don't let quarantine make you lose yourself now. Listen, <laughs> I'm just saying it's a lot of sin going on. And a lot <laughs> what do you mean, Bishop? Just, just keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together. Order you some clippers. It's quiet in this church. Online, it's quiet too. Some of you are like, I can't do nothing about it until the barbershop opens. Oh, that's a, the devil is a lie. Listen, I'm just messing with y'all. <laughs> Say, I'm inspired by the word. Say, I'm corrected by the word. Say, the word gives me directives. See, you won't have faith in it if you're doing the opposite of those. You have faith in it because, oh, I just heard a directive. Let's do it. But then here's the next thing. What do you hear? Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by what? Hearing Hearing and hearing through the word of God. Faith comes through what? Hearing. Notice what it says. And hearing. Faith comes through what? Hearing and what? And hearing. Faith comes through what? Hearing and what? And hearing. Faith comes through what? Hearing and what? And hearing. Faith comes through what? Hearing and what? And hearing. Stop. Here's the thing, y'all. You can't hear it once and expect to fully believe it. You have to hear it, then what? And hear it. I'm going to back it up so you get it. You got to hear it and hear it. Whatever you repeatedly hear, you'll eventually believe. See, the reason sometimes you believe negative things about yourself is because that's what you repeatedly heard. 
Sometimes the reason you believe I just can't do nothing right is because you sit up and tell yourself that, and then you got a friend that tells you that too. And so now you're like, I just can't do nothing right. Then you hear a word that says you can do all things through Christ, and then you're incredulous. Mm. You, you watch me. You want to debate it. <laughs> Come on. You want to be comfortable, even if your comfort, watch me, is chaos. Ooh, but I speak this into your life. I need you to say, say, I'm hearing the word, and I'm going to do the word. So check this out. Faith works both ways. Here's what that means. People say, just feed your faith and starve your doubts, brother. Okay, here's the problem. You can have faith in your doubt. Just feed your faith and starve your fears, brother. Okay, look, look at me. You can have faith in your fear. Let me prove it to you. Some of you believe so much in what you're afraid of that what's right and true and good, you don't, you're incredulous toward. Did y'all hear what I just said? Like, like, listen, like, listen, like, listen, let me prove it to you. Post something good on social media. God is amazing. Faithful givers flourish. You're going to get four likes. Post something awful about how awful your day was, how awful life is, how depressed and much anxiety you got. 10 million, 1222. And they're going to, watch me, they're going to put faces with the little crying eyes. But inside they're thinking at least my situation ain't like theirs. What are you trying to say? We are pre-programmed to be negative. And so you're going to have to fight to stay positive. But I need you to say, whatever I hear, I will believe. Let me prove it to you. Let's go to Mark 5 and 26. This is the woman that's commonly referred to as the woman with the issue of blood. She doesn't have a name, which means you can put your name there because all of us have had an issue of blood. What's blood mean in the scripture? It means life. All of us have had life issues that have gone on for way too long. Mm. All of us have had life issues that have gone on for way too long. You can be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, and you can still have a life issue that started when you were a little girl. You still have a life issue that started when you were a little boy. But this is going to be your year to break them. Come on. This is going to be your decade to break them. This woman has an issue of blood, an issue of life for 12 years. And the Bible says she suffered many, under many physicians. What was supposed to make her better made her bitter. What was supposed to help her hurt her. Can we all be honest? There are people that when you are suffering, you brought in close and then they hurt you worse than what, than the way you were before you ever met them. She, watch me, suffered under many physicians. And the Bible says not only does she have, watch me, this physical issue, but now she's got a what? Financial issue because she spent everything she had. But watch me, what I love about it is the text reveals she had one thing left. And some of y'all better hear me. God says, I know all of that is gone, but what you got left is enough. Woo! I need somebody to get excited about that. Because God says, I know all of that's gone, but what you got left is more than enough. How do you know that, Bishop? Look, she spent all she had, and she was no better, but what happened? She got worse. Look at the next verse. Next verse says, she heard the reports. Stop. Take heed to what? How you hear? What you hear? How does she hear that as a directive? How does she hear that as correction? How does she hear that? She was inspired. How do you know that, Bishop? Because after 12 years, that would have been a great opportunity to say, I'm done. 12 is the biblical number, watch me, which means foundation. Which means her issue has become part of her identity. You didn't hear what I just said. Her insecurity is now part of her identity. Her low self-esteem is now part of her identity. Her not feeling good enough is now part of her identity. It's literally set itself up in her foundation. It would have been a good place to quit. But what does the Bible say? She heard. Take heed to what? 
How you hear? What you hear. <laughs> she heard the reports about Jesus. What were the reports? There's this man that if you touch the hem of his garment, <laughs> you'll be whole. You'll be made whole. That's why the scripture says, it says there's healing in his wings. Wings referred to the garment he would wear as a, as a rabbi. God, it was a prayer garment. And at the end of it, there were these long things called the zitzits. The zitzits, that's what it refers to. It ain't talking about the bottom of his pant because it's springtime and he didn't want no, no socks on. <laughs> I just need to touch the bottom of Jesus' pant legs. No, <laughs> talk about that. All right. She heard the reports about Jesus. So check it out. Here's how the word works. Say, I hear it. Say, then I speak it. Then I do it. Let me show you this. She heard the reports. So what, what got fed? Her faith. That after 12 years, even though you have decided this is as good as it's going to get, some in her says, one more time. I'm about to shout right there. Because for some of us, this first part of this year tried to make you say, Mm-mm. I'm here to tell you one more time. But when you hit it this time, you're going to knock that thing out the park. I need you to lay your hands on yourself. Say, there's one more in me. And say, and that's the winning shot. Everybody release a praise if that word is for you right there. Five, four, three, two, one. Say, I still got a mustard seed. And that's more than enough. Look, put the verse up. It says, and came behind him in the crowd. She heard the reports about Jesus. And she did what? Came behind him in the crowd. And did what? Touched his garment. She heard something. Watch me. Go to verse 28. For she said. She said it before she did it. For she said, if I touch even his garments. You say it with me. I will be made well. She heard something. She said something. Then she got low. She got low on the floor. <laughs> See, some of you, watch me, don't be too proud to get breakthrough. Don't be too arrogant to get breakthrough. Don't be too, don't be, have so much hubris that you don't go get you some help. She got on the ground and she's pressing her way through the crowd. Because if she had stood up, everybody would have seen that she was unclean. And you know what she would have had to say? She would have had to say, unclean, unclean, unclean. Because watch me, when you were unclean, they didn't know what virus you had. And because they didn't know what virus you had, watch me, you had to tell everybody around you, you had to socially distance. Come on, you had to quarantine. Let's go. For 12 years, she's been in quarantine. Come on. For 12 years, she's been in quarantine. But what gets her out of it? Faith. For 12 years, she's been in quarantine. But what gets her out of it? Faith. I don't know what you've been dealing with that you've decided this is just how life's going to be. I came to speak a word into your life that your faith is about to get you out of quarantine for 12 years she's been in quarantine she's got to socially distance you got me and she says to herself if I get to him I will be made well how many times do you think she thought that every time she went to a doctor's appointment how many times do you think she thought that every time she took some medicine see can I be honest with this sometimes we give up before we go up so your struggle watch me it didn't pay you I need you to make your struggle pay you don't give up before your struggle rewards you. Come on, can I get you to lift one of your hands? I feel this thing today. I need you to lift one of your hands. Say, my struggle's about to pay off. Say, my tears are about to pay off. 
Look at verse 29. And immediately, she goes from seed to harvest. 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 Say to this mountain, be thou moved. She says, listen, problem, get up out of my way. She goes from seed to harvest. How long did it take her? How long did it take her? So let me prophesy over everybody at this experience. You better hear me. I prophesy some immediately for you this week. Stuff you struggle with, dealt with, worried about for years. This week, all of a sudden, it's going to be immediate. Hey, hey, somebody say immediately. Hey, come on. Somebody say immediately. Look, 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 I got to be this. Immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body she was healed of her disease. The last time she felt like that was 13 years ago. How you know she's had the issue for 12 years? So the last time she felt like that was between 12 and 13 years. How do you even remember what healing feels like? <laughs> Which means God says, I'm going to make sure you remember how it's supposed to be. So that when it's right, you'll know that it's there. Can I go further? There's another problem with the scripture we read earlier. Uh, remember he says to his disciples, he says, listen guys, if you... If you, in, in Matthew 17, 19, and 20, he says, your little what? Faith. Your little what? Faith. Faith. That's why you couldn't cast it out. Somebody said there's another problem in the text. Here's the other problem. Here's the other problem. Here's the other problem. He said nothing would be impossible. But we can all admit that there are things in our life, come on, put your hand up, where it seems impossible. Here's the deal. Here's why. Matthew 13, 31 said the kingdom was like a man that sowed. That woman with the issue of blood, what did she sow? For 12 years she spent, she didn't know she was sowing. Shut up. I don't mean literally shut up, but I need you to hear me. See, you said, I wasted all those years. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Let me tell you what you did, baby girl. You got some seed. Ah! Oh, my God, this is good to me. He said, Bishop, I wasted all these years. No, you didn't. What you did is you got some seed. See, the harvest you needed was going to be way bigger than what you were doing. You didn't lose. You so open up your mouth, say, I didn't lose anything. Say, I've been sowing everything. <laughs> say, I didn't lose anything. I've been sowing everything. Say, not one moment will be wasted. Say, not one loss will be wasted. Listen, listen, for 12 years she sold. 12 years she, she gave. For 12 years she was consistent. For 12 years she was faithful. Let me make this personal. For 14 years, he's consistent. For 14 years, he's been faithful. What is your time period? For whatever time period, you need to hear me. God says, you didn't waste anything. I had you sowing everything. And I came to prophesy to somebody, it's harvest time. How do you know it's harvest time, Bishop? Because you're in the fifth month. That's the number of grace. That's the number of faith. That's the number of God adding his super to your natural. Open up your mouth, say it's harvest time. Watch me. Watch me. Look, like a man that sowed. <laughs> sowed. Say action. So check this out. He didn't bury the seed. He didn't keep the seed. He wasn't fearful to give up the seed to get the tree. Whatever you're afraid to give up determines where you can't go up. 
Can I be honest with you? Often we overvalue what we have and underestimate what we can achieve if we sow it. I'm over. We often overvalue what we have and undervalue what we could achieve if we'd sow it. So somebody like, Bishop, I, I just, and again, this is bigger than finances, but it's inclusive of finances. So you're holding on to your $500 seed, and God is like, really? But I had your whole car getting paid off. Keep the 500 then. I need you to say, to say my increase is in my release. See, sometimes we don't want to forgive people. I'm just talking about stuff that sometimes really sticks out. How many of you got somebody right now, the truth be told, you know you haven't forgiven. Go on, just be honest, just be honest. You do the hand wave emoji online. You know you haven't. How you know? Because when I said forgive, they face popped in your head, and all of a sudden your body tensed up. Your body lets you know you hadn't forgiven them. <laughs> Y'all ain't going to say nothing. Your emotion let you know you hadn't forgiven them. Listen to me, everybody. Here it is. The reality of these mustard seeds is that they are great risks that yield greater rewards. What is a great risk? It's an uncomfortable action. What makes it great? It's not that it's always big. It's small in scope, but it's big in hope because it's different than what I'm used to. Can I testify? 14 years ago, being a senior pastor, I've been in ministry for years, but being a senior pastor, that was different than what I was used to. So I had to decide to sow the seed. And to God be the glory, you saw the number of people who have given their lives to Jesus Christ because of one yes. Not for my glory, say it's for his glory. Question though, what is it that's small in scope but big in hope, but you don't know exactly how it's going to turn out? You're like, you know what, Bishop, I'm finally going to forgive him. And then, watch me, you decide you're going to call him. And they answer with an attitude. And so now you're like, you know what? Forget this forgiving. Matter of fact, let me tell you how I really feel with your old trifling. <laughs> Y'all hear what I'm saying? <laughs> and you're like, look, listen, listen, listen. You know what? Ask me. I was going to forgive you, but your attitude made me not want to. And God is like, this isn't for them. This is for you. And if you don't let it go today, we're going to have to stay on the merry-go-round until next week. And I don't know about you. I never really enjoyed the merry-go-round because I don't like circles. You hear what I'm saying? Even when you do the big uh, the Ferris wheel, I'll do it once. Let me off. I don't need to go through this again. I got up top. I saw everything I need to see. Take me down. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Question. What's small in scope, but it's big in hope because you don't know exactly how it's going to work out. Can I be honest with you? Faith always involves uncertainty. Moses, go to the Red Sea. Sir, you want us to swim? Just get up to the water. Uh, sir, he didn't brought us out here to drown us. Well, at least I've been faithful. See, some of you, you think that God only had enough to do what he did. You don't know that he's got enough to get you to where you're going. Y'all better hear me today. I need you to open your mouth and say, my God is incredible. Go to Red Now, Moses, put your arms up. Put your arms in the air. We're going to part the Red Sea. And God is like, Moses puts his arm up. His arms get so heavy, he needs some people to help him. I pray that this year and this decade, you got some people to help. Let me prophesy to me. I got some people coming to help hold my arms up because God's got a great work for Harvest to do this year and this decade. In addition to those already doing it, 
Y'all ready? Y'all ready? So here's the deal. Somebody say that's normal. It's normal that you have uncertainty. In fact, the opposite of faith isn't fear. It's certainty. So uncertainty would be normal for, for faith. One more to issue of blood. She didn't know. She heard. She didn't know. So imagine, we don't know where she lived. We don't know if she stayed in Colorado Springs, Atlanta, or Miami. We don't know where she stayed. We don't know, we don't know who took her there. Was it Jackie, Darlene, Ike Jr.? We don't know who took her there. We don't know. Here's all we know. Is she started telling herself, she started hearing reports. See, make sure on social media that you're using it to feed your spirit. There's some stuff you need to unfollow because it starves you. We can gossip about other people's lives. Ain't going to make you feel better about yours. And it may for a minute, and then after that, you're going to have to go to the reality of it. Okay? So she hears these reports. She's scrolling through her Instagram timeline. Local preacher, Jesus the Christ, healing people. He's going to be in Jerusalem for Friday night five, one night only. <laughs> one night only. Friday night five is going to be amazing. One night only. You know what she says? Listen, you know, she lost everything. She got a physical issue. So, you know what? She gets herself together. It's because she starts taking actions. Because the actions support what she believes. She believes, I'm going to be healed. So what does she do? She puts her hair on. How you know she put it on, Bishop? Because the Bible says she had lost everything she had. All right? All right? Y'all better, better stick with the Bible. She put her hair on. Come on here. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. Have fun in church. She, she gets herself together. Because she said, watch me. I'm going to go in unclean, but after that, I'm going to be able to stand up and take off my unclean garments. See, can I tell you, God is getting you prepared for what you don't have, but you're about to see. So she's got to get herself ready for what he's about to do in her life. I need you to make, your, make this announcement. Say, I'm getting ready. Say, because my whole life's about to improve. So she gets herself together. And imagine the journey, y'all. So we don't know where she lived, but let's just say it's, a, let's just say it's like a mustard seed. Because remember, the Bible says, have faith. As the grain of what? Mustard seed. Here's what you need to know about mustard seeds. Mustard seeds take three to ten days to start to grow. So I submit to you, it took her at least three to ten days to get to Jesus. How you know that, Bishop? Because it's the principle of the text. It's the principle of the word. Watch me. Her actions had to start before she was, watch me, before she was ever in a place to see what she was believing for to manifest. Say three to ten days. I pray that you don't give up on day nine because you think it's taking too much time. <laughs> Watch me. Say three to ten days. She takes her journey. It's probably three to ten days. She's got to go to Jesus. Everywhere she says, unclean, 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 unclean. She's got to walk. She's got to walk. She's got to walk. And they're like, but why do you look so nice and you unclean? I'm sure she said to herself, well, you don't know what's getting ready to happen for me. See, some of y'all, watch me, you may not be in the C-suite yet, but you need to start dressing for where you're headed, not where you're at. You got to start getting the, voc Ooh, get the vocabulary of where you're headed, not where you are at. So watch, so watch, say three to ten days. To begin to grow, don't uproot with no fruit. Many people, that's what many people do, they uproot, they have no fruit yet. And then watch me, the next thing is mustard seeds only grow when they are placed in cold, dark, moist environments. Here's what cold means, isolation. She's been in quarantine for 12 years, and you think God would just say, okay, you're out. Mm -mm. She's got to walk that walk of faith. She's got to walk that walk. She leaves the house. 
She's got to walk that walk of faith, and she's still in isolation because she has to tell everybody, unclean, unclean, unclean. Which almost seems to contradict, her daily life seems to contradict her faith. Woo! Her daily life seems to contradict her faith. Because listen, I know what is about to happen, but this is what's happening right now. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Watch me. She's in isolation. She's walking that walk three to ten days. Watch me. And she's by her. She's by her. When you feel isolated, that's because, watch me, isolation always precedes productivity and promotion. What is promotion? Promotion just simply means whatever I'm believing for finally happens. I need you to open your mouth and say, it's getting ready to happen. All right, here we go. Number two, a dark environment. So think about it. She's walking to Jesus, and she doesn't have clarity. So how am I going to get to him? I don't have a meeting schedule. Um, I don't have a coaching session set up. Um, how am I going to get to him? Think this through, y'all. How am I going to get to him? Um, I don't know any of this, his, his, his detail around him. I don't know any of his entourage. Um, they ain't had no website. I can't tweet Jesus. I can't DM Jesus. I can't Skype Jesus. Come on, y'all. Think it through. So now she feels, here's the dark part. There's no clarity. How is this going to happen? I believe it will. I just have no clue how. I need you to lift one of your hands and say, the how is none of my business. Because as you're walking, you're going to start thinking. Because I heard something. I said something. Now I'm doing something. So while I'm on my faith journey, I'll figure it out when I get there. She gets there, and then there's a crowd. Now imagine what her emotions make her want to do. Look at all these people. How am I supposed to get to Jesus with all these people around him? They ain't going to let me turn. And I'm unclean. He's a rabbi. They're not going to let me. The rabbis aren't even supposed to be around the unclean. I'm not even supposed to be here. Woo! Let me prophesy. You're about to be in some places that your past says you have no business being there. But God says, but your faith got you there. Open your mouth. Say, my faith is taking me places. My past doesn't qualify for. I'm about to take 10 seconds to give God praise for that myself. Come on, say my faith is working. So here it is, I got to quit. So imagine what her emotions do, y'all. Can we be honest? What would you do? Because human behavior is fairly similar for most people. Generally speaking, there are nuances, there are idiosyncrasies, but most is the same. She sees the crowd. So watch me, here's what faith does. Remember, she heard something, made her say something, if I can touch his garment, which means I got to get up on him. Some of you are too far away to get what you need because you're not willing to fully invest in your faith. If you believe it, I need you to open your mouth and say, I'm getting all in it. But watch me. Imagine she's like, okay, I can't go through. She don't have a copter. Jesus is out in the open, so it's not like that one guy. Remember, there was a one guy, he's in the house. They dropped him into the roof. Ain't no house. So you know what she does? You ready? You know what she does? She's like, oh. Seems to me only one way to get this done. They can't see me if I'm down here. Some of you are mad that God kept you hidden. Not realizing he kept you hidden so you could get close. 
Some of you are mad that don't nobody know your name. I could throw this microphone. Some of you are mad that you had to start in Denver. Y'all are going to sit there to me. But God says, I needed you. I needed you to stay low. Because when you stay low, nobody was able to stop your flow. Mm. When you stay low, nobody was able to block you. When you stay low, somebody said, I'm staying humble. Somebody say, I'm staying thankful. Somebody say, I'm staying grateful. When you got low, you were getting access and you were getting close. And all of a sudden, right when it looks like you're going to give up and tears are running down your face, she grabs the hem of his garment. And somebody say, immediately. Say it again. Say, immediately. The Bible says that her flow finally ended. What are you trying to tell me, Bishop? You might have some emotional days where you feel left out, forgotten, abandoned, like God doesn't care. And here's what I need you to know. God lets you stay low so nobody could stop your flow. What are you saying? Because she slid right through that crowd. She's probably thinking, oh my God, I've never had to be in this position before. See, some of you, watch me, don't let the newness of what you have to do make you stop you from doing it. There's some stuff you're going to have to do. You're going to have to apologize. You're going to have to get it together. You're going to have to come. To, you're going to have to. Don't let the newness of it stop you. And then all of a sudden, she grabs it. And Jesus says, wait a minute. Heaven's about to say, wait a minute. Because everybody at this experience, we're about to grab. We're about to grab the hem of his garment. You better hear me. Everybody better hear me. And Jesus says, wait. Wait a minute. Who touched me? And if you go on into the text, the Bible says that the disciples said to him, Lord, you see all of these people around you. And you ask who touched you. And that's as they were saying, this is foolish for you to say. And you know what Jesus is like? He said, no, 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 no. Y'all don't even understand. Go to the next part. He says, he says this. He says, he looked around to see who had done it. Next verse. But the woman, knowing what had happened, came in fear and trembling and fell down. Stop! I thought she came down. Once she grabbed the hint of his garment, she stood up. And for some of you, this year has had you down, but I prophesy you're about to stand up. For some of you, the last decade has had you down, but I prophesy you're about to stand up. Somebody holler, I'm getting up. Holler again, I'm getting up. So look, she falls down. She tells him the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help her God, she's trembling. All that time she was on the ground, I know her emotions. I know she had tears running. Why? Because most of us would have. People are stepping on you. See, something like everybody just keeps stepping on me. Good. Because mm. the tears that you're producing, go to Psalm 126. Come on. First experience, then get this. That's why you got to watch both of them. Psalm 126. We're going to read that whole chapter. Because so, the third place mustard seed has to be placed is in moist soil. Somebody say moist soil. That means you may shed some tears. That means you might get emotional. Somebody say, I might get emotional. Say, but I can't stay stuck in my emotions. Say, I've got to keep it moving. Say it again. Say, I can't get stuck in my emotions. I've got to keep it moving. 
Come on, say it one more time. I can't get stuck in my emotions. I've got to keep it moving. So Psalm 126, verse number one. I'll read it to you. Here it is. Y'all ready? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. It's, it's here. It's coming. Here it is. It says this. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, everybody listen to me. Your name's about to be brought up. Say, the Lord has done great things for me. Go to the next verse. Watch. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are what? Glad. Verse 4. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Y'all ready for this next verse? If you don't shout, I'm throwing a microphone, and it's going to come in your house. Remember the third place? It had to be placed in moist environment, which represented your emotions, which represents tears. For those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Look at me. Every tear wasn't wasted. All that heartache wasn't wasted. God says, I saw you. And do you know what your tears were doing? How did you expect your seed to grow? Unless there was some water on your seed. Your tears were watering your seed. You ready? Here's verse 6. He who goes out weeping, look at the Bible, bears seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. What does that mean? I got a harvest now. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, and at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God, and they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this for me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life.
Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.